Welcome to this week's episode of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. In today's episode, I speak with mum of three, Pamela, about her experience with premature babies. She had her three sons at 35, 34 and 33 weeks, which means she's had a lot of time in both NICU and special care nurseries. Pamela shares with us some of the hard realities that come with having premature babies, things like being separated from your newborn as they're transferred to a different hospital or initial feelings of meeting and holding your tiny newborn who fits in the palm of your hand. She talks openly about the challenges of managing going to and from the hospital to see your baby whilst looking after older kids at home, and just heaps more. Pamela has clearly had a different pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience to most of us, and one that you could probably expect could be quite traumatic, but in speaking with her about it all, she is just so positive. She speaks about how much of an impact the nurses caring for her babies have made, and what support was so necessary in getting through those times. This is a great conversation for us all to listen to so that we can be aware of what people are going through who have babies in the nursery, and it gives us some great insight and advice into how we can be supporting people through a similar challenging time. I hope you find the episode interesting. I will also quickly mention that you may notice some baby noises in the second half of the episode as Esther joined us because she needed a feed. So I apologize if that's a little distracting. All right, here it is. Hi, Pamela. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. To start us off, would you mind giving us a little overview of who you are, who's in your family and what you do for work? Hello. So my name is Pamela. I am a mummy of three gorgeous boys and I run an Instagram clothing business with matching mummy and me or you know ladies and kids clothing. Lovely and you're based in Australia I'm guessing? Yeah in Sydney Australia. Oh lovely. Well anyway today we're going to chat about your experience of having your three little ones prematurely so before they were meant to arrive basically. So firstly can you give us a little rundown on your pregnancies and birth for each of them? Yes. So all three of my boys were preemie. We ended up working out after my firstborn that I have an irritable uterus, which is what makes my contractions start. So my tummy, my uterus basically just says like, okay, enough, get them out kind of in a nice way. (laughs) So my first boy was 35 weeks. My second son was 34 and my little one, who's now one and a half, was 33 weeks. So you got shorter and shorter. Less and less. So a week less yeah. a week less each time. And the doctor was like, do you want to do this again, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> <I would. laughs> Don't risk it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get put on bed rest as soon as I start getting contractions. They're kind of like a Braxton Hicks contraction, but they continue and they don't end. So they put me on a tablet called nifedipine, which relaxes your muscles in your body. And I have it every, I think it was every, I can't even remember now if it was four hours. No, it was six hours, six hours. Um, And you've got to remember to take it because if you don't, you'll start contracting again. Well, for me. And is this at home or is this Um, in the hospital? So, so actually with my first, I had it at the hospital and it did nothing. And then they gave me the steroid shot so that the baby's lungs would get the steroids to them because they were going to be obviously 
at that rate, we were going to have a premie with Zachary. That's his name. So he, nothing worked for him. He was just coming out. There was nothing they could stop him with. Whereas the other two, they they did stop it twice. So both of them got stopped twice. So you started labouring prematurely with all three of them, and that's because of the irritable uterus. Yeah. With Zachary's, you said you couldn't slow it down with the nifedipine. So was that just like you're in a hospital and he was born within 24 hours or was yeah. it? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, like less, like yeah. three hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like really fast. And, you know, being your first child, it, it was a bit of a like, what are we doing? Okay, okay, all right, well, yeah, we're going, okay. And that was it. Like it was just like bang, bang, bang because I started um, dilating and his head was stuck so it was going to be a cesarean because I, the contractions wouldn't stop. And the doctor was like, look, it just looks like the baby wants to come out. And when he did come out, he had torticollis. So his head was stuck kind of one way. So his muscles on his neck, it, I think they were saying now that he just wasn't comfortable Yeah. Okay. after. Yeah. So he went straight into the special care nursery at the hospital we were in and they were absolutely amazing. Like it was a shock and, you know, seeing your child on monitors and, and for him, he only had a breathing he did have a breathing, like an oxygen. It was kind of like a space hat that went over his whole head and he only had it on for one day and then he just went to the feeding tube and he had, you know, your heart monitors and all that on him. But then compared to comparing him at 35 weeks to my 33-weeker was such a difference. And you think in the, that little time, but what an amazing difference. Like it was mind-blowing. Yeah, and often that's what we say to women and the reason I guess you had the nifedipine as well is to try and make every day count that you can keep them inside because yep. every day really does count in terms of their development. Literally a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can put it so, off as long as possible as even long as if possible. it's just one more day, one more day, one more day so that the baby can get stronger and healthier and more likely to do better once on the outside. So... I've jumped into your story too much already. You keep going and I'll try and not interrupt. <laughs> no. So, well, it like, you know, every every birth that women have is never going to be the same one or the same experience. But then when I had Luca, my middle, my middle boy, they were aware that I'd had a preemie. So that apparently when you have had a preemie, you are prone to premature babies. But I have spoken to women on Instagram that have had one and then gone on to just have full-term births and some go overdue so they go from one extreme to another but um yeah so with Luca he was on the borderline so in Sydney where I live you can not give birth in about I think there's like four hospitals in this area that you have to be over 34 weeks um so he was 34 weeks they allowed me to give birth at the hospital that I had given birth to Zachary at so and they're only 17 months apart so the nurses remembered me oh wow so that was nice because they were all waiting for my premie again. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah, so he was lucky, but he did get transferred because they didn't have the breathing machine and he needed the CPAP. Mm-hmm. So he got transferred to Ranwick, which was nowhere near us down in Carringbar. So it was quite a, a journey. I did get to go visit him the, the second day, but it was excruciatingly painful because it was my second cesarean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they had the machinery at that hospital. And then it's amazing though, like there's a team that's called the Nets, um, the Nets team and they come and the like they put him in a bed, they put a little tiny, little tiny little seatbelt on him and like all the tubes and everything that has to happen. I look, when I saw him, I just cried a lot, yeah. but I knew he was going to get 
like he needed to breathe. There was nothing you could do about it. You just cry. <laughs> but it was a good cry. Like you, it was, I don't know how to explain it. It was bittersweet. You were happy he was getting what he needed, but you didn't want him to leave you. And if they discharged me, then I wouldn't have been a patient and it was only day one. Yeah, okay. So you have to separate. Yeah, so it was only three days, but they were like the longest three days of my life. You'd think that they'd transfer you as a patient to Randwick That's what I asked, but because I didn't have the baby there, they can't. And I'm like, that's like, it's so bizarre. Like, I was like, please take me with him. Like, but my husband was with him every day. I was like, don't come see me. There's nothing to see you. I'm like, just go to the baby. And he had a drip in his arm. He didn't even need milk at the time because he was having the fluid from the drip. Mm. So he'd FaceTime me so we could see each other and I could see the baby. But when I did go... It was very exciting because I got to finally hold him, and yeah, it was a very, it was a very nice experience. I'm very lucky that he was good, but when he came back to the hospital, they let me stay an extra day, so I got an extra day with him. <laughs> that was really exciting. <laughs> so he transferred out and then transferred back before you back got in, discharged, yeah. basically. Yeah, so they let me stay like the, an extra day, so it was like six days, and I was like, thank you. <sighs> but having, you know, I had a 17 month old mm-hmm. at the time, so. It was nice because he'd come and sit with me at the hospital. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because this was, how old's my oldest? He's eight. So this was, you know, not seven years ago. So, yeah. So, but then with my littlest man, his was completely different again. I was at that hospital again. All the nurses were still there and they all still remembered me. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was in there with Costa. So he's my little boy. He came out at 33 weeks and um, he was tiny. He was 1.9 kilos and I was on bed rest uh, the day of the school, the first day of the school holidays. (laughs) So I was so excited. I was like, yes, we're on holidays and I was already on bed rest. I wasn't doing anything, but the contractions wouldn't stop. So I knew I had to go to hospital. I rang them. They knew exactly who I was because they remembered me and they're like, come on, come down. We'll give you what you need. And yeah, they stopped his one. Like it went on. My contractions were getting worse. They put me on the machinery. It wouldn't stop. I was by myself as well because I told my husband to come home and watch the kids. And I'm like, nah, I'll be fine. I'll be back, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll be back, don't worry. And then he was messaging me and I'm like, listen, it's not stopping. Like they've done everything they could. The nurse was like, oh, she's like, you're too early because I was only 32 weeks. Mm. And she's like, you're going to have to go to another hospital. She's like, I really want you to have him here. And I was like, okay. So in the end, her magical tricks worked. I don't know what they did, but I just, I wasn't um, dilating, which was a good thing. It was just contracting and they were happy with that. So they said, all right, well, you're not going home. You have to stay here. So I spent the whole school holidays in hospital pretty much. Christmas day, they let me go home for the day. Um, They gave me like a day pass. (laughs) But yeah, so with him... I finally got released on the Saturday and then the doctor said, I'd like to see you on the Monday and just check everything. And at that appointment, he was like, oh, could you just go to um, St. George Hospital, which is a bigger hospital and it's got the machinery that you will need in case you have him early. I just want you to have another checkup. And I, I was like, okay. So we drove there and, you know, I've got dinner on the table. It was a hot summer's day. I'm like, oh, uh, just another checkup. I'll be back. And <laughs> I knew when I got on that machine, I was not going home. (laughs) So with him, it was a bit scarier because it was a completely different hospital. I didn't know anyone. You know, I'd been so used to knowing my nurses down at Karina and it was very exciting. And 
seeing them and knowing that it's kind of like leaving your kid at childcare in a way because you know them and they love your baby like they love your babies so with him going to a completely new hospital with people that you have no idea and you know he's absolutely tiny and it wasn't a special care nursery it was like the NICU and it was much much higher like you can't when you walk in you, you can't look at any other babies you can only go to your baby which is great I don't want other people looking at my baby but it was like it was like a very strict yeah yeah felt but different. yeah they were great they were it felt different yeah it Karina was strict as well but they're loving and caring I don't know how to explain it <laughs> I guess being a smaller like unit as well like the special yeah I think that's yeah yeah, like they, I can't fault either of them at all. They were both an amazing experience and I'm so lucky that I had them to look after my child. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went on to, they had the CPAP there. So so my middle boy and him both had the CPAP, but he had it the longest. He had it for like four days. Mm-hmm. So the oxygen that goes in kind of makes him swell up as well. So his eyes were really puffy. Mm-hmm. His face was really puffy. And you, you kind of like, you know, you want to see who he looks like, but you can't really see their face. So they let me hold him on like the second or third day because they just needed him to kind of be at a good, like, um, you know, not breathing too heavy, stable. Yeah, that's what I was oh, yeah. looking for. So I got to do skin to skin and, but, you know, holding him with all that machines and you do get scared holding them because you think, oh, like, you know, they're so little yeah. and they've got so many cords hanging off them and he had a drip. And they've got like this bracket kind of thing that goes on their hand and it kind of just flops around and like you think you're going to knock them out with it. Yeah, yeah, but he was good. Yeah. Wow. You sound very positive about it all. But in the moment, I guess especially for Zach being your first, were you stressed? Like were they aware that it was an irritable uterus or were they concerned that there was an infection or that something was wrong with the baby and things like that? And was there a lot of stress and anxiety around what was going on at that point? For me, I try not to stress in these moments because I always feel like you kind of just got to go with the flow. Yeah. And especially when your baby's kind of got its, it's doing its own thing and the doctors are doing what they can and what they know to stop it. I didn't really feel stressed. I was more just, I felt like I was in shock. I'm like, wow, my baby just came out yeah. so early. Like yeah. I didn't really have that time with my first. I didn't have that time to go, oh, my God, I'm about to have a premature baby. It was more just like, okay, here's your baby. We've done it. He's out. And I was like, whoa. The thing that I didn't like, I just – I didn't want anyone to go near him because I guess like from my family members, I mean, yeah. because I was like, you know, he's still meant to be inside me. I just kind of wanted him all to myself. Yeah. You're protective of him too. I was protective of him. So, yeah. you know, all my family would come – They'd come to the hospital to visit and everyone's bringing you presents. And then the first thing everyone says is like, where's the baby? I'm like, well, he's in the special care nursery. And they're like, go get him. I'm like, you can't. Like, (sighs) you actually can't go get him. And they're like, oh, we want to meet him. Like, you're not allowed in there. Like, so that was more, I feel, that gave me more stress than him actually being in there. Yeah. That's really hard because... I feel like you're like managing people. At, like I was also, managing people. Yeah, and you feel yeah. like you want to be with him and loving him, but then your family wants to see you, but they basically want to see the baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> and like for me, I've never experienced a full-term baby. So, you know, when you go visit your friend in hospital and the baby's in the little cot there and you're like, oh, you know, and the baby's next to the mum. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah, I, I, there was probably stressful moments, but I feel like you just – you're numb to it because you just want everything to be okay. Yeah. And it sounds like you always felt like you could trust the healthcare yeah. 
professionals. Like you were like, I'm in the best place I'm in the at best like place. the right time. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really good to hear that yeah. you felt so confident in those, that your babies were being looked after well, I guess, and that you were being looked after. Yeah. That's really good. And then I guess coming around to then second and third, you knew you'd had a prem birth already. Yeah. Were you really anxious that that would happen again? Or were you like, I guess for number three, you probably expected it, but for maybe number two, were you like, oh, hopefully I'll make it to full term. It'd be really nice to have like normal experience. Normal experience, yeah. So number two, I expected it. Little three, like number, number three, Costa. Yeah. He was, there's a five year gap between those two. So I thought, oh, it's been five years, maybe. My body's changed. I don't know. I don't know. Like that was in my head. And um, as soon as I got to 29 weeks, I knew straight away. I'm like, nah, my body hasn't changed. It's doing the – I knew the exact same. It was literally the exact same. Wow. But it was just a week earlier again. But, you know, I had – at that stage I'd had a schoolboy. My boy had started kindy. Yeah. It was the first – so he was going into year one and then the next year I was going to have a kindy boy again. So – it was more just running around doing school drops, pickups, and I was so excited that it was holidays. I'm like, oh my god, we don't have to get up in the morning, and yeah. So and then you had a newborn, and then I had in a newborn, but in the um, nursery. So my poor kids spent the whole of that school holidays going back and forth to a hospital with me and my husband. And because it was Christmas, I had Costa on the 30th of December. My whole family were away, so we had no one around us at all. But yeah, like. I could have stressed if I wanted to. I could have been like, oh, my God, we've got no one here. And I could have made the situations worse, but I chose to just go, oh, well, okay, let's ring our friends. Let's see who's around. Like I just think you've got to just put yourself in a place of it is what it is. Let's just be positive about it because if you make it bad, then it will kind of just do a chain reaction of bad. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's very positive of you. Thank you. (laughs) And you talked about you had the older boys, especially when you've had Costa most recently. Yeah. What was that like for them? Like how did you speak to them about what was going on? And I'm guessing if if it was six weeks by the time Costa left the hospital, like how how did life happen during that time with two other kids? It was interesting. Yeah. So they were they were good. They asked a lot of questions and I just I answered them normally because they're gonna be a dad one day and I want them to be confident and be like, yep. You know, it's not a issue like or anything like that. Like obviously I had a, a three cesareans, so they saw my scar and I showed them that, you know, this is how, this is what mummy went through. I did it for you. Now I've done it for your brother. They came into the nursery. They met him. I didn't really let them hold him because he was just, so he was tiny. just too little and I didn't want them. They asked. I just waited in, until he was like a good week old because in that week even his skin changed colour and like he – because you could see his bones. Like mm. he was like um, really skinny and really um, – he had a lot of skin. So it's like that he needed to yeah. fit into his skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they – whatever they asked me, I kind of told them – at St. George Hospital, they had a really cool waiting room. So they had like chairs and a TV and, you know, I'd pack them lunches. I'd pack the iPads, the switch. I had no choice. Mm. They'd come and sit there because when you're feeding a preemie, it's not like a, you know, pop your babe on your boob or even with a bottle. It takes a long time. They're really slow. And then you've got to stop and you've got to wake them up because they fall back to sleep. So your feed takes more, like sometimes over an hour. Yeah just to feed them. And then you've got to change their nappy and then resettle them. You've got to switch the monitors onto different feet. You know, there's a rhythm. There's like a method you do and to put them back in. And and in one of the – he was in like an incubator, so I couldn't do that by myself because I just had a cesarean also and it was the way the door came down, I couldn't. It would always hit my scar. Mm. So the nurse would always have to come over and help you and 
yeah, there was a lot more to things like that. But the boys, I feel like the boys were really good about it. They were just more than happy though because they they knew when they'd go to the hospital, they'd see their brother, but they knew they'd get to play on the iPad. (laughs) So (laughs) that was my bribery. I was like, okay, iPad time, quick, sit down. And and I'm not sure now with COVID, but at Karina, their little nursery waiting room had cookies. So I used to bribe them with a cookie. (laughs) So there was bribery, but yeah. They loved coming, Yeah, I think. They told me they did, but um, I think if I asked them now, they'd be like, oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so you talked about uh, little Costa being only 1.9 kilos and you were saying you have to you do all these different things like to get him out to feed. He's, you know, he's fragile and he's small and he's got cords attached to him and all of that. How did you feel holding and interacting with your baby because – I feel like most parents with a newborn that's three kilos are feeling like, oh, my gosh, they're so fragile. They've got floppy heads. Like, how do I hold them? What do I do? And that's without any cords or without them actually being a prem baby. So how did you feel about holding your babies at the beginning? And, yeah, how did you become confident with that? I guess you just want to hold them so bad yeah. that you're like, as, and, you know, they wouldn't let you if it wasn't allowed or safe for the baby. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've read that with babies that are born super duper early. But um, I just wanted to do skin to skin. Yeah. So that was my excitement that I was like, oh, my God. And I did choose to breastfeed. So, you know, they say the more skin to skin you get, the more your milk will come on. Yeah. So I was like, put put him on my chest. So it was scary at first. I I, I do remember going, kind of going to the nurse, I, I, like, he's really skinny. And she's like, it's okay. I'm like, I can see. Like, he had this one bone, well, Costa did, that, literally protruded from his above his rib cage yes, yeah. and I used to just touch it I don't know why <laughs> I just used to be like what's that bone and she's like in a few weeks because you won't even notice it and she was so right yeah. but now you would look at him and say he was not even premmy oh. I don't know maybe it just it didn't it did like it my mum when she first met him she burst into tears she's like Pamela he's absolutely tiny I couldn't hold him yeah. whereas me I just think maybe because it's your baby yeah you just want to hold them. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter what. It doesn't matter like what. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, just give me my baby, yeah. please. So, And it sounds like as well you were saying the nurses were there, especially with even just getting him out of the crib. They were amazing. Yeah, they would have been helping you hold. And I had like a number that you could ring them and be like, what's he doing? And they're like, he hasn't moved. Yeah. I'm like, hey, thanks. Yeah, how did that feel being separated, like going home at night from the hospital, like going home from the hospital without your baby? Yeah, it, like that, no matter how many you have, it doesn't get easier. Yeah. Um, even if I decided to have a fourth, that would be the one thing I would, re- and I had a premier again, I'd be that I hated that. I just, um, you know, they say that you, cause I had to hire a pump to pump when I'm not around him. Mm. So they go on when they're in a nursery, they go on to like a feeding schedule. So every four hours they feed and they have one tube feed and then one suck feed. So if I'm there, the suck feed will be on my breast. If I'm not there, the suck feed will be in a bottle. Just so they learn the sucking technique because they're born so early, they miss that skill. So it kind of, yeah, so it goes around the clock. So they kind of time it with you eventually and they give you like a little schedule and you can say like, you know, what timing's best for you to be there. If you're there and it's a suck feed, they'll let you do it either way. With Costa, I got mastitis in... A couple of weeks after and uh, it was a suck feed and and I when I got to the hospital they had just realized that it was mastitis and they're like listen just go home we'll do the bottle just go and I was like 
I, I had to go to, straight to a doctor because I needed antibiotics. But I was just thinking like, in a way, I want to be with my baby, but like I couldn't because I needed to go get the antibiotics. So yeah, it, it was kind of a help in the way because we had no family around. So they were there with your baby and it was a suck feed. At night was worse, but because you're alone pumping at, you know, 2 a.m. And I'm they tell you to look at photos of your baby. Um and that's cool. And, you, you know, every time I'd go there, I'd take a video. So I had a new video that night to watch, oh, yeah, to bring on the milk or, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it was hard. I don't think there's there would be an easy way to any mum having a preemie um, to leave their baby. It sucks. Yeah, I, I think it sounds horrible. Yeah. So you, how was the breastfeeding experience? Like you had to pump for a lot of it early on yeah. and with prems, their mouths are so small and, as you said, they, they suck so slowly that the feeds can be long. Was that quite a stressful experience for you or did breastfeeding, other than the fact that your babies were prem, generally work pretty well for you? Well, I think because they were prem and I had nurses there teaching me, me and my sister had our babies 11 weeks apart. So watching her go through it and she had a full-term baby and then, you know, I was in a hospital and she came to visit with when I had my first and she was still asking questions to the nurse about feeding and I'd be, and because I was there every day, they were teaching me so much. I feel like because of them, I got through the best feeding journey because, you know, like when you have a baby, well, you've just had a baby and you go home and you're kind of like, oh, my God, what do I do? <laughs> And like the baby wants to feed and burp and this and that. And, and it's a bit overwhelming, but um, I still experience that. I just experience it from six weeks. Yeah. But yeah, the, the breastfeeding journey is definitely hard because you don't have your baby with you and you're pumping. And sometimes milk doesn't even come out yeah. because you're so stressed and exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then I had other times, I always found when I pumped when I was with him, I'd always get more milk. Yeah. It was pretty cool to... It was cool now looking back to yeah. see the difference, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not at the time when I was devastated and be like, wait, my baby. Yes, <laughs> but, um, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd have like little milk bags. I'd label them, the date, the time, and I, they'd give me a special label from the hospital that I have to stick on it because obviously it's my baby's milk and it need to be connected to him. Um, and they had like a fridge with a key and lock on it, which I, I always thought that was so good because it was protected, it was safe. <laughs> and, and, yeah, they had all the – equipment there and they'd pull your feet your milk out and give them the feed through either the, in, in when it was a tube feed they let me hold the tube above his head so you know you still feel like you're a part of it no matter what yeah the nurses try and involve you in yeah they try and involve you yeah and the cares and everything like yeah. you said you were swapping the sats monitor from one foot to the other yeah. and things yeah. like that nappy changes I'm sure you would be doing them and bath time and things like but that once you got do you know what was age. cool what? I had Premi nappies with Costa, my last one. They actually had Premi nappies. The tiny, tiny ones. The tiny, tiny ones. I was so amused by them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have one of them at home, which we have to put on a, like, teddy bear. <laughs> They're so tiny. <laughs> it's like literally my phone was bigger than it, and I have a photo of me holding it next to my phone, and, like, my face is, like, open, my mouth's open because I'm like, wow. What the heck? <laughs> so small. Yeah. Yeah. With You've talked about this kind of like a routine for when you're in the nursery. Nursery life is very kind of structured and timed yeah. and, you know, you do your feeds every four hours and maybe cares happen every second feed or yeah. something like that. Yeah. 
did you switch that off when you got your babies to come home or were you just so structured and like this is all I know now is that like four hourly I have to do this and this is how many meals of milk they get like did you find that really like a mind game in that you you know everything was so structured when you're in the hospital but then when you go home you actually have control and can let loose a little bit so I said to the nurse, I'm like, this is awesome. You've put my baby on a routine for me. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, I'll see if you can hold it. Cause I have, you have to go back and like get them weighed a week after just yeah. to check that everything's, you know, going okay and they're sucking properly. And um, I got back that week and I was like, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day it is. It, it went out the window. I think because, you know, they, they top them up as well with, if they haven't, had a good enough feed or if, you know, they're unsettled and you, you can see they want more milk, they can just put more milk through the tube. Mm. So a part of me was like, damn, I miss that tube. Like <laughs> it fed my baby full. <laughs> when, but no, no, not, you know, I shouldn't say that, but I meant like in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I miss the foot monitor as well. But now they have the outlet. So they didn't have that when I had my first son. So did you do that with Costa? Did you have the stats monitor at home no. to just keep... I thought I was going to want it, but I feel like it would have given me more anxiety because, yeah, I I just, I don't know, because of the hospital, like they're connected and, you know, the nurses are there watching them 24-7. Like they can see all their monitors are faced at their desk or, you know, so everyone can see it in full view. But I feel like at home I just, I was, I think I just was so happy to have all that off him. I didn't want to go putting it all back on him and then putting that on me. Yeah. That's exactly right because then if something comes up, like the SATS monitor at the hospital, they like always play up a bit and then we just go in and we readjust them. But at home, if it plays up, you don't know (gasps) if something's wrong with your baby or if, you know, you have to call an ambulance or whether it's just the monitor's like fallen off. Or he's kicked it off, yeah. That's (laughs) like because like I did, I obviously I thought about it a lot. Um, But, yeah, I even know how to turn the SAT monitor onto standby. Like I knew all the buttons to press. So, you know, if it happened – at home, I'd be like, I definitely had freak. I probably would have called an ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that, yeah I feel like it's almost a bit more stressful yeah. having that extra monitoring. Yeah. With the nurses, you've talked about how they were great, basically, and, and that they loved your, your boys. What is it like where, you know, often you picture when you have a baby, like first introducing them to your parents and then to, you know, your siblings and, and you know, their cousins and things like that and then your friends. But when you've got a baby in the NICU or the special care nursery, basically the people that know them for those first few weeks are the nurses. Yeah. And is that a good thing? Like yeah. you said that they loved your babies and I miss you those trusted nurses. them. Oh, <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> beautiful. I'm very glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. So were you feeling like you, you trusted them so much yeah. that it was okay to go home at night and you, you know, you felt like your baby was safe in their hands? Yeah. So like, well, I'd, because I, I, you know, how I run my business, I take them clothes and be like, hey guys, do you want some clothes? Like I gave it to the nurses in the ward. And, and one of them even remembered me from my sister's first baby. So yeah, it was really nice to see them again. <laughs> it was like, it's like a catch up. See, like, yeah. hey, it's been five years. Well, for me, with the last one, it had been five years. It was, it, you know, it was really cool showing my son's photos of them with that nurse holding them and then that nurse was here. I'm like, that's the nurse that with Luca being born at 34 weeks when he got transferred because they didn't have the machinery, one of the nurses down at Karina, her name's Julie, I love her, she hand held the oxygen and pumped it with her hand 
for hours, hours on end. I actually don't remember. I wish I did remember, but I was so delusional of coming out of a cesarean. And I just look back at those photos and my heart's so full because of what she did. And when I told her that, when I saw her, you know, five years later, when you're obviously aware of what happened, I was like, you know, that was you. You did that for me. And she's like, well, she goes, but I do that for anyone. I'm like, I know, but it just meant so much. And then seeing Luca standing next to her at the age of five, it was very nice to see them again and hear where they're at. And, and one of them was becoming a grandmother and that was, you know, the most exciting thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I would love that. <laughs> Imagine yeah. having a, a NICU nurse as your mother-in-law. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, I think that's really lovely to hear. And I'm sure those nurses feel very um, honoured you know, that your experience was so positive and that they were involved in that too. Yeah. Yeah. What about setbacks? Did you have setbacks in the the boys? Were they, you know, progressing well and then something happened like jaundice appeared and then they had to be put in a, a different type of crib because it had lights or they were progressing well, but then they had weight loss and things like that. How was that? Did yeah, that happen? And how was that yeah. emotionally for yeah. you? <laughs> um, you expect it with premies. You know, you can go 10 steps forward and then you might just go, you know, 10 steps back. And that's okay though, because it's part of having a prem. So, you know, weight loss was one of them, but they, they were on top of it. Like they knew if he needed, if there was jaundice, they'd check their jaundice every time, like with that little machine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'd put them near the light or they'd open the um, shutters to let the light in as well. So there'd be natural light helping them. And they had, they knew what they were doing. They were great. You, yeah, sometimes they feed and or, or you know what would be the most annoying was when they'd feed and then you're like, yes, they're full and then they'd throw it all up and you're like, oh, my God, are they going to lose weight now? Is that going to matter? Yeah, and the, the, I guess the weight gain is so stressful. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's stressful for newborns that are yeah. full term as well, but for your prems, like ev- like getting weighed every second day or whatever I hated it is, that. I'd be like, so just intense. don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's weigh day again and you just want to know that they're gaining weight and that things are working and or if they did a poo just before they got away I'd be like no (laughs) don't poo before (laughs) like poo after (laughs) add add 20 grams to that 20 grams back on please (laughs) sometimes like obviously having the older boys and towards him coming home we were going into February so my um, second boy had started kindy we literally got out of hospital just before COVID so I got him home on the 5th of February and um, they had just gone to school. But, like, it was one of the days I was running late. So by the time I dropped off from school and then got down to the hospital, they had already done all that weighing stuff. And I was just like, I felt bad that day. Like, I really felt guilty as a mum. But, you know, I was there for my other boys, but then I wasn't there for him. And I was like, oh, this juggle is hard. And because you can't drive after a cesarean, what was I meant to do? Like, my husband had to go back to work. It had been five weeks. It was six weeks now, like maternity leave doesn't last that long and we were going to wait till he was home to do maternity leave but then I feel like I needed him more driving me around yeah Yeah, then rather than when I'm home I feel like because I was allowed to drive once he was home so that's so sad though that like when you finally brought Costa home your husband wasn't even around to enjoy that time with him oh but and 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 like you know it was tricky because I'm I had to get to school on time to pick up my, you know, kindy boy. You don't want them waiting for you. And I've got this baby that's literally just come out of a special care nursery and then you walk into a playground. I was like, no, not happening. I'm like, I did car line. So we have like a car line system where the baby literally stays in the capsule and we just drive up and they 
um, oh, call like out your yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's what you call it. Yeah, we call it Carline. Um, but thank the like universe for that because that was just yeah, I'd have to get out. And but like the you know, I didn't want him screaming also because I'm like, you know, you're so little. I don't want to stress you out because then you won't eat properly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. School pickup was terrifying with a preemie baby. Yeah. yeah. When Costa was discharged, did you say he was discharged at six weeks of age? Well, I had him on well 30th of December and he came out on the 5th of February. So pretty much six weeks then. Yeah. Had he had his six weeks vaccinations, do you know, before he left at the hospital? The hospital? No, no, we took him to the doctor. Okay, yeah. I feel yeah. like that would be stressful as well because you're like not like other people – with full-term babies often are like, I'll try and keep the baby hidden until yes. you know, six weeks yes. we've had the vaccinations, then we feel a bit more okay yeah. about taking them to the shops and things like that. But the doctor was okay. Like baby. Yes, 10 <laughs> times you're worse. already like more stressed about their health and yeah. them not getting sick and setbacks and all of that, that you don't want them to go back to hospital for any reason and all Anything of that. Anything at all. Yeah, I feel like you just want to hide yeah. them away and never leave the house. Yeah, pretty much. I, wa- I did want to do that. And then when I got him home, like all I wanted to do was put him on me because – you know, I never got to do that either because he was always attached to something. So, yeah. and then I was like, not that this is a complaint, but I was like, you know, I'm going to be home with just him. I'll get to like lay in bed with him and hug him. And, and then COVID hit and I had to homeschool with the oh. newborn. And I was like, what just happened? No, all of you are like, <laughs> I, I've got this well planned. My other two kids are at school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a nightmare. So it wasn't, um, it, I just thought not that I'd lay in bed with him all day, but even I didn't even get to do that because, yeah. you know, he was attached to something every day or, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I look back now and think if my boys weren't home, I wouldn't have showered. I wouldn't have gotten changed because they helped me. So thank God for them. Yeah. <laughs> they oh, still nice helped me. They were at an age that they were yeah. able to help with Costa as well. Yeah. yeah. So that, Especially with your husband not being there. Yeah. So in the end, it, it was my blessing in disguise that they were home. Oh, that's yeah, lovely. That's and really probably lovely for the boys, the yeah. old boys, to be around. Be around the baby, yeah. came home. Yeah. Or like oh. they'd – one of them, my oldest one, he was more into it than the middle. Um, He'd yeah. be like, can I hold him while he's asleep? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So he'd like sit on the lounge. I'd prep him up so obviously he wouldn't drop him. But he yeah. he wouldn't. Like there was – I had it all prepared and I could go and cook dinner. And, you know, when you have your first baby and your baby's screaming and you can't cook dinner, that always to me was so stressful. And I tell my boys now, I'm like, mummy coped because of you two. I'm like, if I didn't have you two, <laughs> mummy would not have coped. <laughs> so, yeah, and that gives them empowerment in that yeah. as well. And they feel more responsible, I think. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, what about for those of us who have friends or family who are going through a similar experience? Like they've got a baby in the nursery or the NICU and, you know, going through that stressful experience. What should we be doing for them? How do we care for them well? How do we support them through that time? So my two words is feed them. <laughs> Just <laughs> feed them. So for us, my mother-in-law ended up coming home earlier from her holiday, um, which was amazing. So she started cooking straight away. But because you're back and forth and so you'd wake up in the morning, you'd I would pump, like pump, I'd take my milk down there and then I'd, I'd eat breakfast, go, and then you'd, you'd be there for the morning, then you leave, then it's lunchtime. So then you've got to feed everyone. And then you come home, you sit down for like a minute because I was really trying not to overdo it. But, you know, you've got washing to do. You've got older kids to entertain for me or even with my second, I had a toddler to entertain. It was the food. I didn't have the time to go to the grocery shops to get the food, to come home and then cook it. it was like the last thing on my mind and I didn't want to do it. Like I, I just 
would rather have been at the nursery or with my boys because it was their holidays too for me. But um, if anyone ever asked me, I'd be like, just cook them meals so that there's food in their fridge or there's snacks or even cupcakes for the boy, like anything like that. Or another thing I would have loved if someone had said to me, hey, I'm coming to get your boys. I'm going to take them, I don't know, somewhere for the day. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good because I, you know, towards the end, I felt terrible that they were on the iPad so much, but I had no choice. (laughs) You do what you can. Yeah, exactly. So, they never complained, but I just, the mum guilt was there that, you know, they could be at the beach today and we're not, we're in a hospital with your preemie baby. But they thought it was normal to have preemies though. They thought everyone did this. (laughs) So, Yeah, this is just having babies. Yeah, yeah, this is how you have a baby and you go to the hospital and you do all this. I'm like, no, no, no. People have babies and they take them home. Like they can take oh, them yeah. home straight away and they're like, what? Oh. Yeah, so that that would be my advice though. Feed them, do their washing and help them with their other children if they want it. Yeah, well, I think that's perfect advice for any new parents, new mums yeah. as well, like not yeah. just prem babies. But yeah, everyone kind of needs to be fed. And I think especially the feeding one, like you were pumping so much as well and oh, breastfeeding gosh, as well. So like you yeah. need to eat. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like yeah. all I thought about was food all day. And I'd, I'd actually carry snacks with me because you didn't know how long the hospital things would visits would take and you didn't want to rush them. It was never a rush. Yeah. Like you have nowhere else to go really. Yeah. And so then day to day for number two and three, were you going in the morning, then coming home for lunch and then going back in the afternoon, coming home for dinner, that type of thing? Pretty much. So I chose the hospital closest to my mum because when I had Luca, she was helping me with Zachary. So in the morning, we'd get in the car, she'd drop me off. I felt like I was going to school with my little oh. bag of breast milk, <laughs> like my snacks. <laughs> go to my, yeah, that's what it felt like. And my mum's dropping me there like, <laughs> and she'd take my toddler and go home and then yeah, it was. They had a little room you could go sit in, and they had like you know your teas and your coffees, and they had like a toaster, microwave. But yeah, I'd stay there all day because there was no point wrecking his nap time for her to come get me to go home for an hour or so, and then my husband was going to take me back later. So I kind of was. Yeah, it felt like I was out for work time, and then if my dad was driving home from work, he would pick me up sometimes and take me home, and then I'd go back and forth. But it wasn't a big drive. It was only 15 minutes down the road. So it was it was not a problem. It was more just I wanted to be there when I could. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, it, it was, yeah. Um, how are your kids doing now? So often babies that are born prem can have long-term health issues. Do your boys have any any complications? You mentioned one of them. You're like you, would, you wouldn't know that he was born prem at all. Yeah, that's the last one. So Luca... Yeah, Luca got asthma. So the first winter he had, we ended up in hospital like pretty much that whole winter and he'd end up back on the CPAP machines Oh wow! because they couldn't say it was asthma under the age of, I can't remember if it's two or one, but it was just, they'd call it, uh, it was like bronchiolitis, I think. And yeah. he's just, his lungs just couldn't handle it. And he'd start doing the, you know, that rhythm breathing yes, where it's yeah. like you can see it in the neck, um, the lungs and the tummy. It was all, yeah, that, that he was doing that. So I knew what to look for because I'd kind of just gone through it. But I feel like it was harder when they're older because they'd go back on the breathing thing, like the little tubes, the little prongs that are stuck to their face. And then, you know, you're trying to contain them in a little cot and they can crawl and they can move. And oh, yeah. and then I'm I'm stuck in hospital for three days until, or four days until he could come off it and he was obviously not well, but I've got a toddler at home. So, yeah, Luca copped it really bad and he still cops it. Yeah, so he ended up having like he had his tonsils, adenoids and like um, turbulence removed and I stopped dairy for him just because he was just so congested all the time and they were just things that I did. 
obviously doesn't work for everyone. And um, But, yeah, he was definitely more my baby that copped it all mm-hmm. and he still walks into wars, but, you know, that's, he's just the best. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Luca had the steroids, but it didn't make it to him. So I'd had them in me and they didn't reach him in time by the time I had him. Yes. And I always think that, like, could that have been – I know there's no right or wrong answer to that and definitely I can't blame that either, but he was – yeah, he was my asthmatic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise in terms of – Otherwise, yeah, in terms of everything else, they were good. I went – you know, had their pediatrician checkups, everything. They they start to just catch up. And, like, for a while, you know, you say they're adjusted age and then by the time they're one, that whole adjusted age is just, yeah, nothing anymore. Like, it's like they weren't even a premie for, for me. That's great. So, they've evened out. Yeah, it evens out. And, yeah, so, like, they might be, like, Costa was a little bit slower with, like, rolling over and, like, crawling and all that. And he was my premiest. But I also think because he had the older brothers doing everything for him, he also <laughs> played on it. <laughs> so, can't really blame the preminess. I think it was more the brothers do everything for yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, being the third child. Being the third child. And I think that's what will – he can talk the most as well because he's trying to catch up to them. So uh, I think that – yeah, by the age of one, that doesn't really affect him. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So it's not like people will see your kids and think that they're tiny little prem babies anymore. Yeah, they're good now. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, final question then. What about if someone is, say, in a similar situation to you in that they were in premature labour or they knew that they had something that might mean that they have a prem baby, how would they best prepare themselves for having a little prem baby? My biggest thing is just go with the flow. Don't stress about things that are out of your control because then you're just going to make it worse for yourself to cope. You know, if they're telling you, this baby's coming early. Okay, well, you've done the best you can and now you need to do the best you can while they're on the outside of your body. That's how I explain it. Yeah, it's just be prepared as you would to have a full-term baby, but you just it's the challenge of the back and forth from the hospital and that's just a, a bit it's a bit of a toll on you. But yeah, yeah, especially for you with the cesareans, I think, but yeah, yeah, I guess taking as much um, support from family and friends that are around that can yeah, help. support is good. Yeah, would be good. All right. Well, Pamela, if listeners are interested in seeing photos of your little boys and maybe seeing a bit more about your experience, um, I know that you've shared a bit through Instagram as well. How can they find you or get in contact with you? Yeah, so I have a page called Basic Label Co. And I have a little highlights reel about having premies. So you can come and have a look over there. And if you have any questions, you can just DM me and ask me. But yeah. Lovely. All right. Well, I'll share a link to that Instagram page in the show notes so people can find you. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us today. I'm sure it will be helpful for a lot of women and interesting as well uh, to hear a different perspective to some people's experiences. So yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Pamela. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. You can connect with me at Mum or No on Instagram and Facebook. And you can also find Pamela at Basic Label Co on Instagram too. I'll share a link to that in the show notes if you forget. Uh, If you're after more information about initial newborn care and issues that arise 
that may mean your baby needs to be cared for in the NICU or a special care nursery. I've recorded a previous episode with paediatric doctors Freya and Anne over on episode 40. So that'd be a great one to listen to following up on this one. I hope you've all had a great week. And if you haven't yet, make sure you do subscribe to Mum Will Know through your podcast app so that you're set for next week's episode. Awesome. I'll catch you then. Bye.